Super Bowl 54 edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. We'll be joined by the 49ers CEO, Jed York, the man who hired head coach Kyle Shanahan and general manager John Lynch and allowed them to assemble the team that will play Sunday in Super Bowl 54 Miami. And we'll be joined by the former president of the Philadelphia Eagles, Joe Banner, the man that helped give Andy Reid his first head coaching job. And now Andy Reid is on the big stage once again. Plus, we'll be joined by ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan as he breaks down Super Bowl 54. But first, want to remind everyone that after this Sunday, the next big thing for the NFL is the draft. In the first draft podcast with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Tom McShay, we'll have you covered. Download and subscribe to First Draft Podcast and the Adam Schefter Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And before we get to Jed York and Joe Banner, first a word from ZipRecruiter. Hiring's challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. And now, the 49ers CEO, Jed York. All right, joining us now, the CEO of the NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers, Jed York. How does that NFC champion sound to you there, Jed? It's good, but we, we, we've got one more game, and uh, we've we got to stay focused on the task at hand. Last year, you went from having the second overall pick to this year finding your way into the Super Bowl. How does a team go from there to here? I mean, I think you have to you have to all be aligned. Um, and I think when you look at both the teams that are in this game, they they both know their identity. Um, you know, you have strong coaches and and you know folks that support their coaches in both of the organizations. Um, and for us, I, I think we had a, a good plan in free agency. We knew that we wanted to get better up front. Um, we had some great interior guys in our D line. We wanted to add. The edge presence, and you know when you when you trade for D Ford, and then you know when when Nick Bosa's sitting there at number two, I, I think that's when you know it sort of clicked to to folks that you know we we had a chance to be pretty good this season when when those pieces kind of fell into place. You say you had a chance to be pretty good this season. Do you think your team could be this good so far, Jed? You know, I mean, if you don't think that you can be this good, then you shouldn't be in the league. Um, I think everybody that starts and straps up to to begin the season in August. Everybody, everybody believes that they have a chance to get to this week, um, and obviously only two of the 32 get there. And it, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of luck, um, and, and a lot of perseverance. And, and my hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs for everything that they've done to get here. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, 
what should be a pretty good football game. You bring up the importance of strong coaches. And I go back to 2017 when you hired general manager John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and gave them matching six-year contracts. And some people thought, what is this about for a GM who has never proven a thing? When you look back on that, what do you remember about that hiring experience of bringing those two men together, Jed? Well, I mean, I think it started um, in the interview process before those guys are just saying we, we wanted to make sure that our head coach and GM came in and, and were in alignment. Um, you know, not necessary to get the, 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 the best in one area and then, you know, figure out who our best was in the other area, but to make sure that there was a connection between the two and two guys are going to have to work really, really closely together. And they were, they were clearly the best tandem of people that we talked to. And it was very clear to me early on with Kyle, you know, with his father having spent time at the 49ers and being the offensive coordinator the last time he won a Super Bowl, knowing the the tradition and the history and, and sort of the mentality of the 49ers that, that my uncle and Bill Walsh instilled, you know, that sort of, that, that became part of the Mike Shanahan way, which then became part of the Kyle Shanahan way. Um, so we, we connected right away. And then when you look at Lynch, you know, John played for, you know, first Denny Green, a Bill Walsh disciple at Stanford, and then he played for Bill his senior year, um, then played for Sam Weish at, at Tampa, and Tony Dungy, who was one of the first coaching fellows that, that Bill Walsh hired, and then he ended up finishing career with Mike Shanahan. So their, their mentality and how they want an organization to, to run and what they want it to look like, it matches what I want the organization to look like. And when you're all on the same page from that standpoint, it it makes it much easier to get through the rough patches that we all face in this league. Was that the kind of thing? You've been through a lot of coaching searches. When you got done with your... Yeah, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> well, facts are facts, Jed. When they you are. Got, when you got done with that interview with Kyle, was it like one of those successful first dates you walk out and you're like, that guy, wow, wow, wow? I mean, like we... So we... You know, the, the, the two guys that were with me, uh, you know, it was, it was me and Prague, and then uh, Brian Hampton, one of the guys that works with Prague, that was, was there kind of facilitating and just making sure that we sort of stayed on task. And I, I asked those two guys to leave. Um, and, like, and it was clear, like, within the first, like, five or ten minutes that, like, Kyle and I kind of connected. But at the end, you know, and I think both of us were, were going into it where it's like, okay, like, this is just this is a part of the process and, you know, you know, as, as as anybody that gets asked to interview for a head coaching job, like, hey, I'm honored. You know, I'm, I'll sit down and do it. But he was focused on on getting prepared for playoffs and things like that, and doing all that stuff. And you know, we just kind of connected. And um, at the end, you know, we we had a good kind of like handshake, and it was it was close to a bro hug, but we didn't quite get to the bro hug. <laughs> yep. But it, but I mean, you 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 just felt it, and you know, I. I told him, I said, you know, I, I see a very strong chance that, that you're our guy. Um, I said, but, but we're willing to wait. Like, we don't, we obviously aren't, aren't rooting for the Atlanta Falcons to lose. We hope you guys take it all the way. Um, but, but we're willing to wait. And I, I think that helped him. And then once we had a chance to talk to him a second time and get him connected with sort of the finalists in our GM search, and, and he and Lynch sort of hit it off, it was, it was very easy to kind of see that connection and, um, you know, know that, that this was a team that you could hopefully build something special with. But what was it about him that stood out to you? His understanding of, you know, the culture that he wanted and, and how familiar that is to the culture that I want. Yeah. Obviously, like, I mean, I, I don't want to knock his his unbelievable prowess of, 
you know, what he was doing at calling plays and the offense that he ran, and not just with Atlanta, but going all the way back. Um, and, and, I mean, to me, when I look at somebody that he, he had success early on in his career, but he also had some really, really difficult situations that he had to deal with. You know, he was young in age, but there was a lot of experience, nine years of coordinating experience, you know, in multiple organizations where they've had some success in some places where they didn't have success and being able to see things that worked and things that didn't work and, and watched him continue to hone in on, you know, who is Kyle Shanahan and like, who do I want to be when I run an organization one day? He just, he had a very, very clear understanding of who he was and what he wanted to do. And, and I think his vision fit very much with mine. You know what's interesting about that time, Jed? He was talking to the Denver Broncos, and he spent a lot of his childhood in Denver as well as in the Bay Area. And I think he preferred to come to San Francisco, not Denver, at that point in time. So San Francisco well, I, was the preferred choice. So when you guys had that little bro hug, I think he felt the same exact way about your organization in your city that you did about him at that point in time. I, I mean, it, it was definitely it was definitely clear that the, that we we saw things um, in a fairly similar way. And and I mean, for me. I, and I said it then, I'll say it again, like I, I know how important the quarterback position is. And I wanted somebody that, you know, could, could understand that position and make sure that we mature and nurture that position. Because if you don't have a good quarterback, it's very, very hard to win at a consistent level. And, and knowing that that was Kyle's expertise, that, that was something that was very important to me. You know, when you look at what he's done, and, and certainly a lot of the guys that have worked under him, you know, you look at you know, Sean, who was in the Super Bowl last year, you look at Matt, who we, we played in the NFC Championship game, all those guys came from the the sort of Shanahan coaching tree. And I think you have to tip your hat to Mike Shanahan, who, you know, I, I hope if any Hall of Fame voters are listening, you know, sort of see not just a two-time Super Bowl champion and, and you know, winning in two different organizations, but, but the legacy that he has created with um, some, some really amazing young coaches that are in this league right now. Yeah, his coaching tree has turned out to be rather extensive, rather yep. productive. It's worked out very, very well. There'll be Super Bowl championships, I would imagine, on his coaching tree at some point or another, for your sake. You're hoping this year rather than a future year. But Mike has been incredible with the coaches he's produced. You mentioned Mike and the work that he had done as an offensive coordinator for your organization back in the early 1990s. Did you have an occasion to get to know him at all back then? I, I mean, not to get to know him. I, I knew who he was. I was... You know, I was two years younger than I'm two years younger than Kyle, so you know, I, I I knew him more as a as a kid that was you know looking up to coaches and things like that, and somebody that was more awestruck being around it. But I didn't know him personally at that time. What is the difference? You talk about quarterbacks. You've gone to the Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick as your quarterback, and now you're going to the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. What is the difference? between those tandems and what you've noticed? Well, I mean, I think Colin and Jimmy are just, they're, they're different players and, and have different strengths. Um, and I think you saw it a little bit with the Ravens this year. You know, they ran a very similar offense uh, this year with, with Giro, who was our coordinator then, as to what we did, and, and put Colin in a position to be successful. And I think that's, you know, when, when we made a decision to, to start fresh, and look for a quarterback in 2017, you know, Kyle wanted a quarterback that, that fit more of what they were able to accomplish when they set all the records with, with Matt Ryan and have that type of offense and that type of system. So 
I mean, I, I think in both cases, the similarities are, you know, you, you wanted a quarterback to fit the system that, that you were running and, and be able to be successful in that system. It just, they, they happen to, to do different things well. What do you remember about the day that your organization traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? Recount that day from your standpoint, if you don't mind, Jed. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I, I was in, I was in Washington, D.C. Um, I can't remember what day. It was right around, was it, it was, it was on day, Halloween, it was right? It was a Monday, the Monday before Halloween on Tuesday. It was a Monday, Monday before Halloween. Yep. Um, and, and they reached out to me and, um, you know, this was late in the day and they're like, Hey, like we, we might have a chance to, to pull this off. And, you know, I wasn't getting my hopes up because I know we had tried, you know, earlier in the year to, to have conversation with New England about a trade, and they didn't seem to be interested before the draft. Um, so when we had that come up, it was like, all right, like, look, you, I mean, we were all in before. Like, it's not, it's not like something has changed. But I was, you know, I was considering, I'm like, you know, what, do you want me to stay here? Like, do you want me to fly up to Boston? It's, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to fly to Boston from, from Washington, D.C., and we can fly them out. Like, let me know what we're doing. And it was just, it, it happened relatively quickly because I think, you know, Coach Belichick is obviously a no-nonsense guy, and, and I think Kyle prides himself on being like that. And I think that's why it's been fairly easy for us to do deals with New England because it's just sort of straightforward, and, and here you go. And they, they made the offer, and, and we accepted, and, you know, it, it went from there. And what was your reaction when you heard that the guy that you tried to trade for before the draft – had become property of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, it was it was exciting, but it's also when when you trade for somebody that late in the season, you know, you also want to temper some of that excitement and enthusiasm. And you know, that was a really good conversation with Kyle, where everybody in the Bay Area, everybody in the organization was like, "All right, like Jimmy's starting tomorrow," you know. And Kyle was fairly certain that he wanted Jimmy to get up to speed with the offense and make sure that we can do what we needed to do to get him ready. And we had that conversation of even if he doesn't take a snap this season because he's not ready to go in, we, we don't want to put him in a situation where he's not ready. Um, and, and Kyle was very clear on that and asked me, and I said, look, I, I'm with you. And, like, if, if we don't have a quarterback, we, we don't have a chance. Like, it's very, very rare that, that somebody wins without a, a quarterback that you feel like can put your team on their back and, and, and go and run with it. And it's like, look, if, if we need to franchise him next year and he never takes a snap for us, you know, it, it's worth it because if you have a quarterback, then, then you actually have a chance. And we had those conversations, but by the time it became clear several weeks later that, that Jimmy was doing really well in practice and starting to pick up the offense – you know, that's when that's when Kyle decided to pull the trigger. And I mean, I was more than comfortable if Jimmy didn't take a snap. And we and we tried to tell Jimmy that we did tell Jimmy that we said, look, like you're you're not auditioning here. Like you're you're going to be our guy, even if you don't take a snap, like don't worry about it. And I think that kind of lowered the water level a little bit for everybody to allow him to just just be comfortable and be himself. You know, I think about all the moves that your team has made going back to hiring Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in 2017 and trading for Jimmy Garoppolo and drafting Nick Bosa and assembling this roster. Was there a moment in there within the last couple of years, and maybe it was even as recently as last Sunday in the NFC Championship game, where you felt like, wow, this has come together, this is working, 
we have a chance to be a Super Bowl champion. As soon as it was clear that we were able to draft Nick, I, I felt like we had a chance to compete and, and compete and get into the playoffs. I'm very happy that Nick is there. I'm, I'm, I'm not so happy that we have to play Kyler Murray twice a year because he's uh, you, have, you already have one Russell Wilson that's, that's hard to beat. Now you have kind of Russell 2.0. And I, that's, that's just a lot of tough football games. Um, but, but when Nick was, was available to us, you know, you knew that you had a chance. And then as you started to see the team build and grow and win some tough games and some close games, you just felt like you, you at least had a chance to be able to compete at, at, the, at the highest level. You know what's interesting about that, Jed, is the fact that if any other team had had the first pick, Nick Bosa probably would have been the first pick. But because Arizona had the top pick and Cliff Kingsbury loved Kyler Murray, he became the top pick. And I remember speaking to people. And, and, but you can see why. Oh, he's, I mean, a great, he's a great player. You know player. I mean? Like, he's, he's, he's a great player. Like, and, and that's, you know, it's funny when people kind of knock it. Like, I, I, they're more than happy that they took Kyler. And, you know, I, I'm more than happy that we have Nick, but I, you know, I'd, I'd rather Kyler not be at Arizona. Well, I understand that, that but I remember, I remember having conversations with people in your organization that season. <clears throat> and when, even though you lost a number of players to injury, you were starting to win a couple of games, and you said, well, that's good. But it's going to cost us the chance to get Nick Bosa. And lo and behold, it didn't cost you the chance to get Nick Bosa, but it did cost you the chance to have to go up against Kyler Murray every single year in the division twice a season. Well, I think Kyle made a couple of those jokes watching film uh, when we were preparing for Minnesota because we had played them the year before. And you know, just a couple you know, missteps here and there, and we lost to them uh, at their building. And, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I wish we'd have made that play. But, you know, if, if we did make that play, then we probably wouldn't have drafted Bosa. And that, that, that kind of became the, the running joke anytime we would look at film from last year of, you know, yeah, that's, that's how this league works. You, you're never sure who's going to be there. You're never sure how it's going to turn out. And you, you need some level of luck to be successful in this league. And you can't discount that. Let's fast forward for just a moment. If you, at the age of 39, as the CEO of the San Francisco Come 49ers, on, man. I'm 38, dude. 30, oh, why, why does everybody want to keep adding years to me? Come on. 30, excuse me. I'm okay, 30, which is, makes it even more impressive. If you, at the age of 38, were able to win a Super Bowl, your team win a Super Bowl, have you given any thought what it would be like to hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy that your Hall of Fame uncle, Eddie DeBartolo, got to hoist as well? No, we're focused on the work. Um, and, and I, I, I love the work that, that we do together as a team here. Uh, and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. John and Kyle are just, they're, they're fantastic to go to work with. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of work ahead if, if we want to have a chance against the Kansas city chiefs. Has your uncle Eddie said anything about the upcoming week ahead here, Jed? Give you I, I've talked to him a little bit. Um, you know, he's been, he's been awesome. He's always awesome with me. Yeah, it was great. You know, last week you know, he he reached out before the NFC Championship game. He's like, you know, I I know how it feels when you're sitting there waiting, and you know it's hard because at this point, you know, you want to do something to help the team, but there's really not much you can do in this position other than to make sure that guys have all the resources and things like that. But there's not like there's not I can't make a trade. I can't you know sign a guy to an extension today to to help the team. Like there's none of that that you can do. Um, so you, you just have to try to be patient and, you know, trust in the work and trust in, um, trust in the team. Well, Jed, it's been a great performance by your team. I appreciate the time today. I wish you and your organization luck in the week ahead in Miami and in Super Bowl 54. And tremendous for you to join us today. Thanks again for the time. 
So so happy to be here, Adam, and uh, always appreciate you reaching out and look forward to seeing you in Miami. Thanks so much, Jed. There's the 38-year-old 49ers CEO, Jed York, and now the former Philadelphia Eagles president, Joe Banner, the man who helped hire Andy Reid for his first NFL head coaching job in 1999, Joe Banner. <laughs> Joining us now, the former president of the Philadelphia Eagles, the chief executive officer of the Cleveland Browns, a man who I thought would have some very special insight into Andy Reid being that he was the one who helped hire him for his first NFL head coaching job. Joining us now, Joe Banner. Joe, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Tell me this, Joe. When you hired Andy as the president of the Eagles back in 1999, what did you see in him then? So I'll give you a quick background that will answer your question for you. We decided to do a study of every head coach at that point who had been to two Super Bowls, whether they won or lost. Mm-hmm. So it was all of the, you know, Holmgren's and Gibbs and Walsh's and Parcells and all the stars of the coaching ranks to see what they may have in common. So the quick answer is when it came to football, there was really nothing in common. They were offensive guys, defensive guys, young guys, old guys, aggressive, not whatever. Mm-hmm. But what we accidentally realized was they were virtually the same person if you describe their key qualities. So we identified that, and, and that's what we saw in Andy. So the list is not overly revealing, but it really created a focus. So exceptional leader, as everybody knows. Extremely important to be able to evaluate coaches, manage them, and make sure they fit together. We found that one of the unsung challenges of a head coach is to actually managing the coaching staff. So picking good people that fit together that that team leader can lead is crucial. And attention to detail that literally drove everybody around them crazy. They were just obsessed with detail, uh, all of those guys. They had an incredibly strong conviction about whatever they believed. It was not the same thing. So if you think about leadership, I think it gave them the ability to lead because they had such strong conviction that there's nothing going to knock them kind of off of their beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it was a list of qualities like that that we started asking people, like, who fits this? And Andy, who had never been a coordinator's name, actually started coming up, even though he was at that time on no list uh, to be thought to be somebody that was about to be a head coach. In fact, Ron Wolf was the GM in Green Bay, where Andy had been for eight years, was looking for a head coach and didn't even interview Andy. Wow. And who did Ron Wolf end up hiring for that job? Do you remember? Well, it's a great irony. We fired Ray Rhodes. He hired Ray Rhodes. He didn't interview Andy Reid on his own staff, and we hired Andy. Andy lasted 14 years in Philadelphia, and Ray lasted one in Green Bay. So Ron deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but he misfired on that one. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And did you feel like when you identified Andy Reid and gave him that opportunity did you feel like you were sticking your neck out on the line at that point because of his inexperience? <laughs> the funny answer is we really didn't because we were so confident in our process. But once we announced it and everybody went kind of crazy about what a bad idea it was, you know, I can't tell you there weren't any moments of kind of looking in the mirror. Are we really sure? We, you know, not that you could do anything about yeah. it at that point, but Jeff and I are just kind of everybody else thinks we're nuts. <laughs> Do we think this through as well as we thought we did? And, you know, Andy, very quickly after, upon arrival, it became really obvious we got the right guy. But 
we went through the interview process. We went through our internal discussions. We were really, really confident. You can never be positive, but we were really, really confident. And, and once we made the announcement that everybody went after it, we were, we were for a moment or two, a little, a little questioning about ourselves. Who were the finalists for the Eagles job at that point in time when you decided to hire Andy Reid? Yeah, we were down to two people. It was Andy and Jim Hazlitt. Uh, we had interviewed a couple of other people, but uh, it was down to Andy and Jim Hazlitt. And, and the big challenge with Andy is just that they were still playing, and we were you know, getting a little bit nervous about uh, would we get him for sure, or would he have coaches available, all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure he won't like me saying this, but thankfully – People may remember they lost. Uh, they they uh, lost to uh, San Francisco on that incredible play to Terrell Owens down the middle on like a 25-yard touchdown, the last yeah. play of the game, and that was what opened the door for us to uh, meet with Andy for the first time. The rules were different back then, so we were like three weeks into the playoffs and uh, meeting for the first time, um, and uh, you know it was it was scary. We could have gone the other way very easily. Hmm. And what swung it his way in the end over Jim Hazlitt? You know, I just think that uh, I think both Jeff and I felt that, that, you know, more optimistic from an interview about Andy and frankly just feeling like he was kind of a better fit personality-wise mm-hmm. uh, with Jeff and I than, than maybe Jim. So it was not a negative about Jim. It was just degree. Um, but I do think we, we finished the process feeling like the, if everything else was equal, in this case timing was the only thing we were struggling with that uh, Andy was the better better fit better choice we we projected him to be a more successful head coach and the Jeff you continue to refer to of course is the Eagles owner Jeff Lurie who you work side by side with lifelong friend of yours I guess correct I mean you guys have known yeah. each other for an awful long time and so you work together to hire Andy Reid and give him his first head coaching job so I would ask you this with Andy in the Super Bowl this upcoming week what would a Super Bowl victory mean for him personally and professionally so you got to realize Andy is a really passionate, extremely competitive person. He takes a lot of pride in not just himself, but the organization, his team, his players, and everything else. Uh, so, you know, anybody, it's a, it's a thrill beyond description. I think the fact that uh, Andy has been so close and everybody that knows him well uh, both thinks he's a really special person and can't even believe that he's come close so many times and hasn't won a Super Bowl. And I just think he'll have a sense of exhilaration that will be unmatched in his life, maybe most people's, um, the combination of his competitiveness and just how long and how many times he's gotten close enough to almost feel it, but then have it taken away at the last moment. I, I just I just think the, the release of stress and the exhilaration the combination will be as, as strong as anybody out there could ever have. Would his career not be fulfilled if he didn't win a Super Bowl, Joe? You know, it's an interesting question. I mean, I Andy coaches to, to be the best and win Super Bowls. So mm-hmm. I think in his own mind, if he finished coaching and hadn't won a Super Bowl, he would feel like uh, it, was, it was incomplete. I know all of us who were part of his time in Philadelphia felt like, boy, on one hand, we're proud of what we did. On the other hand, what a, what a terrible thing. We, we didn't check the most important box. Um, for me, you know, I, I know him so well. He's a fantastic person, as, as great as perceived uh he's a fantastic head coach to me he's a hall of fame coach whether he wins this game or not uh, but knowing the thrill it would provide him i think that uh, it would be really special if it could happen when you say he's great as perceived yeah. give me an example of something that stands out to you about andy Reid, a story that you'll always remember 
the irony is that although we didn't prep at all, I could give you off the top of my head a ton of stories. I'll choose one. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there are a ton, I think, is actually part of the answer. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll choose one. I mean, we were sailing along one year, and, and uh, with six games to go in the season, Donovan McNabb hurt his leg, and we were all waiting after the game for him to go in and get x-rays and find out if he was out for the year in a year that we thought we may have you know, our best team. And I was literally standing outside the room where they were doing the x-rays with Andy. Uh, and the uh, trainer and the doctor came out and delivered the uh, upsetting news that he actually broken his leg and, and he was done. So a moment that required uh, every ounce of leadership that Andy had to convince all of us we were still going to be fine and we could still do everything we thought, combined with a moment that required incredible empathy. I mean, his... His, his identifying with Donovan, not himself, not the problems it was going to create for him, not all of the rest of us, but the immediate compassion that he had for Donovan and how he worked, and maybe this was the year we'd go all the way and now he wasn't going to get to uh, play. Um, and the, the way he walked back in the locker room, he spent a few minutes with Donovan, looked at me and just said, listen, you know, this is it's a big loss but we still got what we need to achieve. And he literally went in the locker room. I watched him go player by player, every single player in the locker room, tell them firsthand you know, what had happened, uh, but not leave each locker until he felt like he had won that person over to believe that although it was going to be harder and although we're facing an obstacle that we would rather not be facing, we can still get there. We didn't we did get to the championship game without Donovan. We didn't get further, but I think at the time, everybody thought with six games left to go in the playoffs that we would never get even close to that far without him. Hmm. Amazing. Well, that, I think that sort of symbolizes the kind of man and coach that Andy Reid is. You know, it's interesting, Joe, later on in this podcast, we're going to have on ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. He pointed this out to me, and it shows you, I guess, how long we've been at this and how long Andy's been at this and how much things have changed and how much they remain the same. But back in... 1998, January of 1998, the Green Bay Packers were playing the Denver Broncos for the Super Bowl title. And in that game, Andy Reid was the Green Bay Packers tight ends coach. And in that game, the man holding Mike Shanahan's headset on the sidelines was Kyle Shanahan. So these two men have been on this field at a Super Bowl at the same time competing against each other in a roundabout way. And some 20... Two years later, here they are again with Kyle as the head coach of the 49ers and Andy as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you see this matchup shaking out, Joe? Well, first of all, I can't wait for the game. Um, it's just, it sets up as a great game. Of course, that doesn't always mean it will be. But, yeah. I mean, you have you have probably the two smartest, I would say the two smartest offensive minds in football with the uh, players surrounding them that can really do special things and can probably execute almost anything they can come up with with two weeks to prepare. I mean, if you love football and you love strategy and the chess match of it, I mean, what, that, that's a fantasy come true as, as we all get to sit back and, uh, and watch it. Uh, and you've got Kyle, this relatively young, up-and-coming, highly thought-of coach, going after winning a Super Bowl in the early years of his tenure as a head coach, Andy Reid, who by his own third year was appearing in the championship game. But here we are over 20 years later, and he can't hold up a Super Bowl trophy that he was actually the head coach and delivered it. So 
they really, you know, such a juxtaposition between them in addition to, to what you're, you're mentioning. But I think we're going to see a really good game. I think you're going to see two coaches that are, in, you know, all in, no fear of failure, no lack of aggressiveness, uh, and just uh, putting forward the best they've ever dreamed of and, and having two weeks. I mean, everybody knows Andy's record with two weeks to prepare. I just think you're going to see the, the best of the best in terms of football strategy and, and execution this game. I forgot about that. Andy Reid after a bye is like 14-1 and one or something like that, right? Some crazy number. Yeah, and the one was, I think it may be two, but one of the two was the Super Bowl we lost when he played the Patriots and had two weeks to prepare. The wrong time to uh, not deliver on the two-week theory. Well, that's amazing. Now, again, I think to me that that might be, I know there are, 10,000 storylines surrounding the game, 10,000 of them, right? Like every player's got one, every coach has got one, each organization's got them, all those things. But Kyle Shanahan, who was the head coach of the Falcons when they lost the Super Bowl and lost the 28, well, he was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons when they lost a 28-3 to lead. And he still replays every one of those plays in his mind. And Andy Reid, who's never won a Super Bowl, is 14-14 and career-wise in the postseason each striving for their first Super Bowl victories in NFL head coach. To me, the head coaches in this game are as good a storyline as any other in this game. Thoughts? Yeah, and listen, they're also very, very different, um, which, you know, if you're lucky enough to have gotten to know either or both, will we'll kind of add to the intrigue behind the, uh, the scenes. But, you know, <laughs> we have a classic coaching matchup, and they're experts in the same side of the ball, which will create kind of an interesting, you know, subplot to watch. Uh, and both so deserving. I mean, both are people that have had incredible success at every level from the minute they started being involved in football. Uh, and now here they are playing against each other in, in uh, Super Bowl. You know, it's funny because we sit here 20 plus years into Andy's head coaching career, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. And it isn't inconceivable that five or six years from now, he'll have won two or three or he could still be sitting at zero, which, knowing how good he is, is really mind-boggling. What would you say as you look into your crystal ball for the future, with him having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, who is, to me, the best player in the game, what would be your guess as to how many Super Bowls Andy Reid could win? Well, we only have a couple of instances where we've had one of the, let's say, top three best head coaches in the league with the best quarterback at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we've had any other than Belichick, so I'm not predicting they're going to want to run out and win six Super Bowls. But the combination of a quarterback of Mahomes' caliber and his age and a coach as good as Andy is, uh, I mean, it, it may be that someday we've completely forgotten how long it took Andy to win Super Bowls because he ended up you know, with a combination of championship game appearances and Super Bowl as, as somebody that it, it's hard to believe we even ever asked, had to ask that, that question. Right? Now, I mentioned the fact I mentioned the fact that you were the president of the Eagles. You were the chief executive officer of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you've consulted with the Falcons as well. Uh, you've been involved in any number of head coaching searches. But you said something there that Andy and Kyle are the two best coaches in the game. If you were leading a search today... Would you identify those two guys as the best in the game, or is there anybody that you would compare in their neighborhood? Now, listen, if I'm naming the best head coach, I'm still naming Belichick. Mm -hmm. But if I'm naming the two best offensive minds and coaches of offense in football, 
with all due respect to some other guys like John Payton McVeigh that are also exceptional, I would have Andy and Kyle as numbers one and two. And the thought of having them have two weeks to prepare with the caliber of players they have to utilize and what they're going to come up with offensively, uh, I think is going to be fantastic. And if Andy were able to win that game, Joe, what mm. would your phone call or text message or whatever way you communicate with him be? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, as a congratulations, I would not be surprised if uh, one or both of us became emotional in the conversation because, you know, we were locked at the hip for 14 years trying to achieve this, uh, and, and probably more so than almost anybody, including our family members, appreciate the the ups and downs, the intensity of that passion, and uh, even getting to a Super Bowl or championship game and how, how bad it can feel after losing. There's only a couple of people that you truly share that with uh, as closely as, as Andy and I shared it. So I think it would be emotional. Uh, I think it would be incredibly joyful. Uh, and, uh, you know, to be honest, and, and I've always been a big 49ers fan, actually, but to be honest, I, I just hope so bad that we get a chance to have that conversation. Hey, Joe, I'm glad we got a chance to have this conversation today. Really appreciate your time and your insight. Enjoy Super Bowl 54 in Miami, and thank you very much again. Thank you. Good being with you. You could hear there how emotional it would be for Joe Banner to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl Sunday in Miami. And now from Joe Banner to ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. Cap hit. All right, we now bring in ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan for the final episode hmm. of the 2019-2020 season. We have the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers coming up this Sunday in Miami. Evan, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time all season long. And I guess we'll start out. How would you categorize how these two teams, the Chiefs and the 49ers, were built? Well, as you said, Adam, we finally have made it to Super Bowl 54 in Miami. And it's really interesting if you go back to the 2017 draft and the six months following. So let's go back. 2017, the second overall pick belongs to the 49ers. They trade back with the Bears, who end up taking Mitchell Trubisky. Eight picks later... The Chiefs take Patrick Mahomes 10th overall. So the 49ers leave that first round. They end up taking Solomon Thomas. They don't end up getting a quarterback in that first round. Six months later, they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, and now it's Jimmy Garoppolo against Patrick Mahomes. The fact that both quarterbacks within a six-month span, those teams went out, the Chiefs in the draft, the 49ers via trade, and now they're meeting in Miami with the Super Bowl on the line. I just think the fact that you had the 49ers at the top of that 2017 draft, and they ended up not taking quarterback. The Chiefs do. I think that's an interesting tie-in for this game. I don't think anyone in Chicago realized that the Chiefs took Patrick Holmes no, after didn't. the Bears took Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think anyone in Chicago realized that until just now. I think we broke some news here. But 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 I don't think everyone remembers that it was the 49ers that originally had that pick, that originally <laughs> had the number 2 pick in that draft. So that, there's the tie-in uh, with the Niners and Mahomes and Garoppolo. Uh, meeting in this game and what about the coaches in this game Evan because that's such a big deal like Andy Reid 14 and 14 a win here would move him over 500 in the postseason and of course give him his first Super Bowl title and Kyle Shanahan uh, to me is as good as any young coach in the game today I think as we move closer to Sunday it's really going to be the Andy Reid story all week and, and he's one of the biggest stories of this game and the fact that he has the six most wins, including the playoffs in any in NFL history by any head coach, and really all he's missing, as you said in his career, 
is a Super Bowl. He's the seventh head coach to take multiple teams to the Super Bowl. And then on the other side, you talk about Kyle Shanahan, and as you said, it only his third year in a Super Bowl. And I think, Adam, and I, I think you'll agree with me, yeah. I think Bill Walsh is someone who would be very proud of this Super Bowl. Having someone like Mike Shanahan, who coached under George Seifert, oh, yeah. who coached under Walsh, and Andy Reid, of course, also from the Walsh coaching tree, who coached under Mike Holmgren, who's, who spent plenty of time under Walsh. That's kind of where both of these teams come from. They both have great offenses. It's kind of cool that they both kind of so directly from that Bill Walsh coaching tree. I mean, you look at everything that Andy Reid has done, right? Ten Mm -hmm. division championships. Ten, including the last four with Kansas City. He's been to the playoff 14 times. Mm -hmm. He's been an NFL coach of the year. He's won 221 career games. Yep. Going to a second Super Bowl and hasn't won one yet. Like, it is the only thing that he hasn't done. And every year... He gets his team gets to the postseason. You think, well, maybe this is Andy's year, and something seems to go wrong. And and you know what? Kyle's got a lot to prove here too. He does in the sense that the last Super Bowl that he went to, people mm-hmm. forget this was when he was offensive coordinator yep. of the Atlanta Falcons Absolutely. team that gave up the twenty eight to three lead mm-hmm. to the New England Patriots. And Kyle has even said over the last week that he remembers every single play of that game and replays it in his mind. Neither neither team has been to the Super Bowl in a while. 49ers 2012 season, but not with any of these this group. The Chiefs haven't been there in 50 years. But when you bring up that factor with the coaches, I don't think either of these teams is satisfied getting here. Because Andy Reid, as you said, has, adding a Super Bowl to his career resume would really round it out. And like you said, Kyle Shanahan it hasn't forgotten, and he talked about it in interviews that we had on Sunday Countdown a few weeks ago. He's talked about that Super Bowl 51 hasn't shied away from it. So I think that's kind of interesting. Sometimes when you've got a team that's it's kind of new, it's their, their first foray of that group to the Super Bowl, you almost feel the sense that they're satisfied being there. I don't get that sense from either of these teams. Hey, let me tell you something about Kyle Shanahan. I've known him since he was a little boy. The way he handles all of this, the way he talks to the media, I read over his transcripts all the time. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's enlightening yeah. and informative. Without compromising his team, and he's pretty honest too. Yep. When you read over those transcripts, he is. which is not like a lot of football coaches, yep. and and I think what you could say about both of these teams is those 49ers and Chiefs players they love playing for those head coaches, whether it's Shanahan or Reed. They they have total buy in from their players, and that's a main reason why they're in Miami playing this game. And it's easy to say that now with these two teams in the big game, but I would have said that at the beginning of the season, like mm-hmm. the. the Andy has always had the support of his players. I think right. they've always liked him. And Kyle does a great job. I think he's about 40 years old. He just turned 40. Yep, just turned 40. And he relates to the young guys really, mm-hmm. really well. Like, But in a way, he's as smart and seasoned as a veteran coach like Andy Reid, who's 61. Right. right. So he's right in between, and it really makes a tremendous combination, and it's one of the main reasons that he is one of the best coaches, it, I think, not just in football, but in all of sports. I would agree. And, and you look back, and, and we've seen it already in the build-up to the Super Bowl, and we'll continue to see it from Super Bowl thirty-two when Andy was on the Packers staff under Mike Holmgren, and Kyle was on the sideline holding the cord for his father, Mike Shanahan, who was with the Broncos, who ended up winning that Super Bowl. We've seen that clip a bunch. We'll continue to see it. Just a cool tie-in as we talk about these head coaches that – they were on the same field back in Super Bowl 32 when the Broncos beat the Packers. Oh, 
Oh, that's you like that? That's a great one, right? That's really cool. It's a guy who is wow. And you were were you covering that Super Bowl? Adam? Yes, I was. There you go. Wow. And not only was I covering that Super Bowl, you know how much that Super Bowl meant to me. I'll tell you a true story. Okay. It was the first Super Bowl that I covered. Okay. The week of that AFC Championship game, that game was so important to me that I had dreams all week long. I woke up in the middle of the night with dreams that I was playing special teams for the Broncos to try to help them get to the Super Bowl because I wanted to cover a Super Bowl team that badly. I wanted to cover a Super Bowl team in the worst way. And so I woke up that I was having dreams that I was playing special teams for that team. And, yes, Kyle was holding the court. And someone from Denver called me in the last week, and they said (laughs) – they left me a voicemail, which I could almost play for you now (laughs) if I queued up. But they said – uh, do you remember talking to Kyle on the sidelines at training camp when he was telling you that his goal was to win more games in the NFL than his father Mike, wow. and, and you were laughing about it? That's not, not, great. not laughing like, and sure. not doubting him, but like, wow, what a right. bold prediction! Right. But he did. Like that's what he set out to do. Mm-hmm. And I sent him the voicemail last week. He he got a kick out I'm of it. I'm sure that's great. And so, just again, I go back. A long way into watch him grow into the coach that he's become has been pretty amazing. All right, what about the players in this game, Evan? How do you size them up? I think you have to start with Patrick Mahomes, who can become the first quarterback in NFL history to win an NFL MVP and a Super Bowl prior to the age of 25. And he's got 11 touchdown passes and no interceptions in his postseason career. That's tied for, tied with Kurt Warner for the most touchdown passes by any player in their first four playoff games. And I looked into this and found it kind of interesting. So you talk about the NFL MVP winning the MVP last season. Now, normally when it, when a quarterback wins an MVP, his team has a great season. Maybe they make a run at a Super Bowl. To go back and make the climb again the following season and get to a Super Bowl the year after winning an MVP, very rare. Last 40 seasons, only three other quarterbacks have done it. Tom Brady twice, Brett Favre twice, and Peyton Manning. Wow. This is the kind of company that Patrick Mahomes is keeping with what he's done so far. And it's going to be fascinating to see him go up against that 49ers defense on Sunday. Well, the 49ers defense is has been the best defense in the league, I believe, this mm-hmm. year. And so we get the best defense versus the best offense. And I think we've seen matchups like this in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl where you get a high-flying team and then you get a team that plays defense like the 49ers do. Mm-hmm. So you have a sense on how some of this plays out, Evan? I do, and I was taking a look at this over the last few days. And what's interesting is, as great as the 49ers defense has been, and, and the fact that they've got Quan Alexander and D. Ford and some of their guys back healthy has, has been a huge difference in the postseason. But I don't think many people would believe the 49ers average more points per game on offense than the Chiefs did this season. Wow. 49ers, 29.9 points per game during the regular season. Chiefs, 28.2 points per game. Only the fifth... Super Bowl matchup, by the way, with two teams averaging 28 points per game in the regular season. But I think everybody thinks offense, defense, and it is. I'm not downplaying that. The 49ers, great defense. Chiefs, great offense. But let's not forget about that 49ers offense who can run the ball against anybody. And I think that is clearly going to be one of the keys to this game as to whether the Chiefs can stop that 49ers, that multifaceted run game, too. There's so many different ways they can beat you on the ground. Well, the Chiefs are averaging 43 points per game in this postseason, Mm -hmm. which is more than all but one team. Uh, Buffalo in 1990 has averaged to reach the Super Bowl. But, again, you look back, 
at the teams that averaged more than 40 points in the playoffs that won the Super Bowl, only two of five have done it. Yep. San Francisco in 94, which was coached by Mike Shanahan on the offensive side of the football, and New England in 2014. Right. Right. It, it, that matchup is fascinating, whether the 49ers passing defense can slow down Mahomes, whether the Chiefs Rodney can slow down the 49ers. And let's spend a minute here talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think one of the big takeaways from everyone following the NFC Championship game was the fact that he only threw the ball eight times, completed six passes, and yes, that was historic. But one of the things that struck me, and I've thought about constantly since that game, let's not forget about some of the things that he did this year. He went into New Orleans, put up 48 points, and beat the Saints in the Superdome, one of the toughest places to play. He's had four game-winning drives in the fourth quarter in overtime. He's got the second-highest total QBR in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. So while, yes, the 49ers have won in the playoffs by relying on their running game, let's not just—maybe, I don't know how you feel, Adam, but let's not just say Jimmy Garoppolo, all, he's, all he is is a game manager. All he can do is hand the ball off to Mostert and Brita and guys like that. He's shown that he can win games with his arm this year. It sounds like you're leaning San Francisco. Well, look, I just think, I just think people, I, I just think the, the visual of Garoppolo constantly handing the ball off in the NFC Championship has clouded our judge, has clouded our viewpoint a little bit. And it's understandable in terms of what this guy did all season. It, it's not like all he did was hand the ball off and throw 10 passes per game. I, I just think that's something we should keep in mind as we head to Sunday. I don't think we should. Anyone should be surprised if the game ends, and maybe they won't win. But maybe it's thirty-one twenty-eight Chiefs, and Garoppolo threw for two hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns. Well, I, I think this. I, I think San Francisco is probably a better team, mm-hmm. a deeper team, more depth. But I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in this game. No question about it. And so I don't know how that shakes itself out when these two teams square off in Miami. But you've got the best player against the best team, and. It should make a great matchup. Like when we were going to conference championship weekend, I was thinking mm-hmm. the most appealing matchup, the most intrigued would be Kansas City, San Francisco. And that's what we get this Sunday. I agree. Other than the Ravens who went 14 and two, these, these were probably the two best teams all season. They've been consistent. They've now gotten to Miami. Patrick Mahomes, as you said, has been out of this world. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions. His QBR is well over 90 out of a hundred this postseason. I think that the 49ers are going to need to score probably 30 points to win. They can do it. Oh, they, they definitely could do that. They, they can, can definitely do, do it. But I think this has the potential to be this has the potential to be like Eagles Patriots a few years ago. 41-33 yards, points all over the field. I don't think we're seeing 13 to three this year, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I, I I think we're going to see a great game. I'd be surprised and disappointed if we didn't. I would agree with you. Hey, Evan, thank you very much for the time and the insight today. Thank you very much for the time and the insight all season. I'm sure we'll do this again before free agency or whatever it may be, the combine. But again, uh, you did a great job. I tip my cap to you. This podcast would not have been the same without you. And thank you very much for all your time and help. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. And always great being on with you each week. And so there's ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. Special thanks to him. Special thanks to the former Philadelphia Eagles president, the executive with the Cleveland Browns, Joe Banner, one of the smartest people I know in the NFL. And special thanks to the CEO of the San Francisco 49ers, Jed York, who's hoping to have more bro hugs 
after Sunday's Super Bowl 54. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast in the week of Super Bowl 54. Have a great week, everybody, and enjoy the big game on Sunday. We'll talk to you after Super Bowl 54.